Welcome to the Center of Memphis podcast. The Center of Memphis exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders. Of course, it's God's word. It's Jesus that does this perfectly. And so we dig into it and see how it answers questions of every part of, every part of life we face. It answers every question we have in life. God's word does. There's nothing it doesn't answer. Challenges. Send us an email. Send us a text. Go into our, to our site at thecentermemphis.org and uh, give us your question. Uh, we have advisors in almost every in- industry uh, willing to meet with you. Uh, we do three things at the center. We, we have this theology. We have uh, study groups where we learn how to be better leaders uh, using God's truth. We have uh, connections and connect people to careers and to new jobs and uh, advice in the industries they face. And thirdly, we hope to, rest- to help people start more and more redemptive businesses. That's why we exist, all to see Memphis flourish uh, in ways it never has before because Jesus is making all things new. So today have Dan Butler, who is a great uh, follower of Jesus and real estate uh, maven, an entrepreneur, and uh, knows how to use the gifts that God's given him. Welcome, Dan. Morning. How are you? Good. So today, we're talking about how we use money, not people. What's Money's a thing. <laughs> not a person. I mean, sometimes we treat people like things. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna understand the difference by the time this is over today. Absolutely, that's our goal. Yeah, I'm still trying to understand. I've been uh, in groups of it all week. I've been studying it for about three <laughs> weeks. I've had some of the best tapes from others, uh, and yet it's still hard. All things are from God, uh, are from Him, through Him, and for Him are all things. That's what uh, Romans eleven thirty six tells us. And many other verses like that in the Bible. Yet we tend to use things for our own purpose. Oh, when I meet somebody, what can they do for me? Yeah. Uh, or they work for me, what can they do for me? Make my job easier. <laughs> in fact, uh, we can even treat money like a God and a person like a thing. Mm. Um, when we have goals for money, we have, who has more goals for money than they do for the people in their lives? So that's an issue, um, and we can tend, tend to use others for our personal goals. We see them as in the way when we're really mad at somebody, there's uh, lots of psychology on this, but usually we're just mad at them, uh, even in our homes, because we're not getting what we want. Mm. Uh, so we, we're, de- we're devaluing them. Uh, so how have you seen, how have you seen that out in the world, how people use uh, people as things? You know, I was thinking about that right when you kind of gave me that overview. Um, I think the book was called Go-Giver, mm-hmm. you know, just being a giver versus a taker. And that kind of really sums it up for me, what you just talked about. Like, are you constantly in in relationship with others looking for what you're going to extract from it get from it profit from it yeah. move yourself forward from it or are you looking are you looking and listening to the others to say okay what how can i help this person how can i lift them up how can i make them better or improve their business or give them more business or give them an advice whatever that looks like so yeah. is it is it all about me or all about the other person and so when you shift that focus it's it's an amazing what that what happens yeah adam grant does a mm-hmm. great talk on that he's a harvard uh, uh teacher and uh, now become more like simon sinek you see him in all these leadership circles adam grant look up giver or taker and in mm-hmm. this week when we asked that question like how do you, what drains your relationship only one person really said 
I just can't stop thinking about what people need. <laughs> you know? mm. That's what she said. Oh, wow. Like the rest are just, you know, we're all just humbled and we need, we just need <laughs> all need to leave. Uh, she needs to leave this class. She's burdened by. Yeah. yeah. And she did. She led that session well. Wow. Uh, but just like, yeah, she sees burdened by others instead of what they can do for her. And that was just amazing. Well, I know in, uh, we had Andy Crouch, the Andy Crouch talk that you had, you know, posted and talked about what, about serving Caesar, but not money. Can you give a quick summary on what that means? Yeah, I think I think it's just another. It's a great example. It's probably the best 19 minutes I've ever heard on money. It's on our site at thecentermemphis.org. There's an article on that, the power of money, and then in our YouTube channel, which you can find the link there. Uh, you'll see Andy Crouch's 19 minutes. He's just an incredible theologian, uh, and uh, he understands culture and God's word maybe better uh, than anybody in our day. I think very helpful. But he says. You can't serve that Jesus, you know, he was, he was being tricked by the Pharisees when they said, you know, can we serve Caesar right. and, and, and man and God? Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, they, he was, they were tricking him because they were part of the system. Right. He said, well, what do you got in your pocket? Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. This is not all biblical, but he's saying, but they had a coin. And they said, well, look, whose face is on that coin? Mm. Well, it must be his. You're using it. Right. So you can get render to Caesar what Caesar. You can serve Caesar. Romans uh, 13 is really clear on this. We can honor the emperor. God puts people there in a, for a reason. So we can serve Caesar. We can serve man. We can serve people. But we can't serve money because money, when we serve it, when we make it a God, when we have goals specifically just for money, I want to have X million. I want to earn X million. Uh, Dollars, and that's just an end goal. That's that's putting it up there like a person. That's having an end goal for that. Versus, I want to take and use this resource for others. And and the biggest thing he says in all that um, is how we use it to separate ourselves from others. Yeah, I think you know I, I was as you were talking through that, and and even through the lesson this week, I was struck by. As you know, I've kind of I've sold some businesses and trying to reinvent myself and, and whatever that looks like and goal setting. And I love, you know, I've kind of figured out I love coaching people and I love doing deals. Yeah. But if you look at like, I, I keep saying I want to coach people, but like the, 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 the sheet, the goal setting sheet is, is was more about the businesses to create and the money to be made. And you know what I mean? Like, so it's yeah. a very convicting that that's exactly where your mind, you know, most of our minds go is like, what we're all want to be financially independent or free or whatever that looks like five years from now, three years from now and all that kind of stuff. So like, that's your, that's your go-to default. That's right. You know, that's all. And, 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 and most of us, so when we strive, yes, I've been, I've been in that trap in that this deceit. Mm-hmm. It is the devil. Right. When I think I actually can become independent, right. Not dependent. Think about what's most important of all of life. Uh, is that life extends past 84, 98. Mm-hmm. We're going to live 30 years or we're going to live 110 years. We're cl- completely dependent for eternity. We're complete. Right. Our heart, the Bible's clear about this over and over. Uh, we live and move and have our being in Him. We're completely dependent for life. We're completely dependent for forgiveness. We're completely dependent. Uh, God chose us before He made the foundation of the world. It wasn't because I'm, I'm smart and handsome, and which I'm not, but it, but. It, but it's because he chose me and he will live forever. So I'm completely dependent on him for eternity. So then why am I trying to spend my whole life becoming independent from him? I was just about to say the same thing. Like that's all we talk about. 
yeah. is, you know, independence and financial freedom and not being stuck to the, the corporate job and like having some autonomy, you know what I mean? Like everything's driven about getting away from something yeah. versus starting with being dependent on God and then building out your, your life from that. Right. That's right. And that's what he's teaching. Like you, you just serve the guy you work for or gal serve, serve, your, serve the emperor. You can serve him because you don't need anything. Um, you can, and actually when you free money mm-hmm. from you and, and Andy Crouch, I want, watch, I want, well, I want everybody to listen to this uh, video because he gives us detox moves, which is to give more away and see how that frees you from it. And secondly, uh, share with others, share with those who are mature, who can handle what you make to look over it, that we keep it all a secret shows it to God. Yeah. Yet then the, in the creative move, how to use it correctly, think of how think of money over think of people over money every time how is this impacting a person if we if, if it didn't impact a person it's probably not right mm-hmm. it's not giving glory to god that he does it through impacting people and secondly ridiculously patient moi maximum opportunity on investment and there's a way that your investments last thousands and thousands of years rockefellers didn't last thousands <laughs> three or four generations you yep. facebook we don't like it right now good no, no problem not gonna be around but about Three or four generations at the most, and right. it, currently it might, not be, might be less than that. Less than that. Uh, so, MOI, it can last. It, it's like people. Uh, if only people last. Only God is where the souls of men last forever. Mm-hmm. And so, where are we putting our resources toward things that last forever? So, I guess that's a great dovetail about from switching from our dependence on money and and that seeking independence yeah. to if that's if our our dependency is on God. And money's a, a byproduct of all this, you know, within businesses, we've all ran businesses, managed people, whatever. There's, there's a relationship piece, right? And so, you know, I guess that's where I land with this next question. Can we be close to people? You know, in this journey, can we be close to people? What did Jesus do? He loved us. He was super close to us mm-hmm. too. Right. He, he desired, he desired not only to, that uh, his disciples be close to him, he desired the whole world. Father, he prays it before, the night before he died. As we are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would they be one? Would be one together? We, he want, desires us to be closer and closer. He's in us if we, if we profess and know that he loves us. Uh, Christ is in us the hope of glory. He's put himself inside of us. So he can't be any closer. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Impossible. He's closer to me than I am. And there's a great song out there right now. I'll never, Jaira, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I'm not doing anything to earn his love. He already loves me. And that, that love, that truth is deeper than knowledge. And so he says, love others like I've loved you. Whew. Oh, he's loved me perfectly. He's loved me closely. And he wants to get closer and closer to me, not further. He's not putting up artificial barriers. Uh, he may have guidelines. He's not sharing with me everything, but he may. So, you know, that great verse shows us a deeper knowledge where it says that love, I pray, here's something else he prays for us. And this is Paul saying it, but through, through the perfect word of Scripture, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So in that, we first have to know we're loved. That's how he loves us. But I can't kind of, like, I better understand 
um, how their divorce is for people who don't understand God than how people stay together who don't know that they're loved by Jesus. Hmm. And I think that's like I think it's more <clears throat> surprising that that a couple, that a friendship, that a business can stay together without the love of Christ than it is when we know the love of Christ to stay together. Hmm. Did they, like it's, it's surprising. I don't know how anybody does anything without knowing their love, without a full bucket, as they say in SK at a lot of schools. Your bucket needs to be full. So I need to know that, and I'm probably probably can't love others well without knowing I'm loved. So there are plenty of resources on this. And this is something like, well, my problem is I, my own guilt and shame and not knowing I'm loved by Christ. You need to stop right here because the rest of this will sound like performance. <laughs> It'll sound like something we're doing to earn the love of God, but it's not. We need to know how loved we are. Uh, but if you know you're loved, then we can go out and love people. So I think, you know, it, what's an example of, you know, where, um, you, an analogy of a bucket, you know, where you feel it's, it's, I'm trying to think how to word this, that, that it's, are not full and it feels mm-hmm. empty. What, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? We all know, we've all come home at the end of the day and had a an lack of joy, had an empty bucket, need to be filled up. And then we've all felt full. And then some of that, we've been full of joy. Some of that's temporary fleeting I have joy jumping out at a grizzly game uh, or a certain college 110 miles from here, actually 70 miles from here <laughs> down the road. Um, jumping up and down, that's joy, but it's fleeting because then I've got to have another wind to have it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last. But when I know I'm loved by God, when that, when that rhythm of, of um, so that, I'm just saying that's joy, but yeah. then draining we know too what drains us. And so then the only thing that fills that up is absolutely knowing how loved you are by God, knowing that verse, but actually the whole Bible, that God loves sinners and came and died for them. Then I can pick myself up even when I've been drained all day against the way my behavior is because I've had to uh, talk to people um, who don't care a lick about me. So what something that, like that that would drain most people. Yeah. The example we had today, like it drained them, is like they didn't even recognize I was in the conversation. Yeah, I was just and, and, and the wise person she was just saying, I, I know that I, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or because mm. I'm not valued. Period. But that's draining to me. I just want to go home. And why do they? I mean, in that feeling of but feeling of a bucket feeling empty and and not full, um, not being able to love. Why do they call that the great resignation? What what does that mean? Well. And I think I think what we're saying there is that there is a great resignation. We see that in all the publications, no matter what business journal you read, the Harvard mm-hmm. Business Review, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Vox, uh, Entrepreneur, uh, whatever magazine you read, at the, the, uh, LinkedIn, the, the great switch, the great resignation is all over it. 40% of people, according to McKinsey, and there's other research that just backs it up, uh, even our pastors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, her pastors say, well, 29% of people are, are pastors saying they're resigning. Well, in yeah. the crowd, it's 40. Right. So it, it, statistically, that's probably pretty equal. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right. So everybody's thinking through that. Why? And it's partly because they don't know their love, and it's partly, I would say, uh, because they don't um, feel valued where they are. Mm-hmm. And the McKinsey research goes on to say that, and that's linked in the article this week, too. Again, just go to thecentermemphis.org and see Love at Work. And you'll see this article by McKenzie linked to the bottom of it 
but it, it says that the people really come to work. We think it's about pay and benefits and now flexible hours and uh, work flexible work from home, but really it's about are they valued? Mm -hmm. Really, what they're bringing to work, is it being used? And people will leave a job if they're not growing and in value for the organization. So that's a huge piece of it. Well, and I think it goes back to, you know, if, if you are, know that you're loved by Jesus and you're free from that to love the others, you're going to figure out what their value, what, what they value. Does that make sense? That's like, right. You know, there's such a disconnect. Like you said, employers think we value this, but truly it's other stuff. And I gave you my example. I just wanted to be trusted. Yeah. I wanted some inside info. I want to be the in the know, you know, and I, that's all I cared about. You You're know, like, valued with secret information. You know? yeah, yeah, that's right. I just, know we're opening a new plant. Nobody else knows. Nobody else knows. Yeah. And so the, the, the fact that he would trust me, you know, and I didn't need that pat on the back and good job, you know, that wasn't what I valued. Yeah. I valued that, but him knowing me, he knew that was important. And so that, that led to a great relationship. And what my, a, you know, what a core virtue. You're trustworthy. Right. Wow. You're trustworthy. That's, that's the way of affirming somebody. So moving from there, how do we love at work? What's, how does that look like? Well, if we're saying, you know, all the things we've come up to to this point, how do we love at work? Well, I'm not a preacher, but I'm giving three <laughs> C's here to keep it easy. All right. Um, we care for them, really care for them. And we'll sit define that for a second. We connect them to the value. We connect them to what, so that they offer value to the organization. And then we go and correct what's wrong. Uh, because there's all, if we're going to be in a relationship, we're going to have, we're going to have a conflict. So we're going to go correct that. So the verses that guide us are this, but back to more full bucket. I'm going to read these four verses, but therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. And that's Paul in Philippians 2, 1 and 2. But first he says, I got a full bucket. If you have the same full bucket, if you know you're loved by Jesus, then go and do the same. Love like Jesus. And then three and four are clear. Here's how we care and uh, connect people to value. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of others. So care mm -hmm. is just like this. We're going to be curious Ted Lasso says that too. Be curious, not judgmental. By the way, it wasn't Walt Whitman. He quotes, it's somebody else. Look that up on Snopes. But be curious, not judgmental. Ask lots of questions. Know, know what makes them tick. Have empathy and understand, and then ch act on what you learn. <clears throat> and we discussed this in the group. Like, but if somebody's having the worst day they ever had at home, I can't, I can't then give them a new project that's going to strain them. That's right. going to change the interview. Know where they are. Know where they are. Right. And if they're not, and if they're not value, if they don't feel in value at work, and they say, "Well, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not really engaged at work. I don't, I'm not enjoying it anymore." Yeah. Oh, then I'm have a plan to get them more engaged. Yeah. Then let's move to the thing we owe each other today, and let's let that change it. Had somebody who's on this podcast sometimes off having a baby, anonymous, <laughs> uh, caring for his new child and family, but sometimes he'd walk in my office and say, "Good and good." So it means he's good personally. He's good at work in general. Now let's get to this really big problem we have with the client. Mm. <laughs> let's solve it. That's cool. Uh, and sometimes we just stay right there. But, they, but he knew that. Mm. So then, then next we connect him to value. Yep. And I think the core part of a relationship 
is this, and I'm going to take a question on this for sure, but I mean, like, is, is if we value somebody, we are understanding their gifts, talents, and desires, and passions at work, and we're connecting them to the organization. We sure better as a leader understand what the organization needs, and we better understand what they bring, so we want to transfer that value. That value exchange is how somebody's going to be, um, know they're cared about at work. I've noticed in, in, you know, using culture index and different profile things that people just apply for jobs and or we just seek people out because it's somebody that maybe had that experience and all that kind of stuff versus really understanding what they love to do and what they're passionate about. And like, so I think part of that whole value proposition that we were talking about earlier is that we have so many people just in jobs that they don't enjoy. You know, and it's, it's not playing to their strengths and not playing to their passions. And like, so I think it's us as employers should help bridge that gap. Right. And just listen. And, you know, I'll give you a quick example. I know we got to move on because we're running out of time. But we had a lady in the office that we put her on the phones for maintenance calls. And, you know, she just was I could just tell in her face she's miserable. Yeah. And you start asking her questions and, and you know, she's just like you just realize, wait, she's an introvert. You know, it's like, what do you really like to do? And so break that down. And she loved doing billing. So she loved the maintenance side of the billing side of maintenance, not the talking to the tenant. And, you know, so we switched some people around and I mean, she, her output went, you know, 10 X literally and and took care of billing of two people. You know what I mean? Like, because we put her in a role that she flourished in versus, um, that she was there to make it money and she was doing her job just wasn't doing it well. And, it, and wasn't enjoying it. And so it was, it was a lose-lose situation. But willing to do it. Right. You know, so when we're full, we can do it. And right. As leaders, we're looking for how to grow them. Right. And, I, and working on this lesson this week, too, I got to, my son wants to change majors. He missed college two months. <laughs> but so I but I did. He knows what he wants to do now. He knows. He's positive. So uh, change your mind a lot. It's good. But Steve Jobs, that, that Stanford uh, uh, commencement that he gave, is about 12 minutes. You can look it up. Uh, it's worth it. YouTube, Steve Jobs, Stanford commencement. But he quit college right away because mm. he just didn't have any value in it. And then he, but he withdrew, but then took two courses independently like calligraphy. And he goes on to say, well, of course it was calligraphy, that the Mac wouldn't have never been designed with the great fonts and therefore PCs wouldn't have either hmm. if he wouldn't have gone and done something he was interested in. So we want to see people's interests. We want to see people's desires. And we want to lead them to that as leaders. Um, that's what we want to do. And then uh, f- to connecting them to value all the time. That's what's going to have them value the organization. And that's what's going to let them know you value them by saying, what, what do you bring? Mm. Um, the third thing. Yep. Correct what is wrong. Really important. We're going to mess up. We know um, this verse guides us. Therefore, you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them and come and offer your gift god doesn't even want of our worship for those of us who attend church regularly and somebody the doors never open if you're not there but if i've got somebody mad at me i shouldn't even come mm. i should go reconcile this is saying reconcile your relationships, even over worship, even over offering sacrifices in that day. But today that's just singing and praising and uh, giving gifts, giving financially, all those things. Don't do it. And I had the best question on this this week. Hmm. He said, no, wait a minute. The way I get full to actually reconcile is to go to hear the sermon. I said, that's good. Go to 815. And then reconcile. Hear the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Be full of the love of Christ. Yeah. Know your love. Then go out. 
and find your brother? So that's yeah. a great question. Yes, be, have, have a full bucket. Be ready. But correcting what's wrong. And the, well, here's how you do it. You apologize for your mistakes without excuses. Kim Wilson told us this in his, his session, but don't ruin an apology hmm. with a good excuse. Sorry I'm late. There was a train. <laughs> no, don't do that. Just say I'm sorry. Understand the harm it caused. How did it, call, hurt, how did it hurt you? I don't need to know. Wow. Then seek to repay them. There are great verses on this. We can go deeper, but seek to, how can I make up for it? Well, you brought me to this job, and then you quit doing what, what you hired me to do. So put me back in another job. <laughs> uh, help me get another job somewhere else since you don't offer this service here anymore at this company. By the way, companies are changing. You have to do that. And then forgive them completely. Usually it's um, maybe they think you're not going to forgive them, but you have to forgive them. Uh, Jesus makes that really clear, seven times 70, which really just means forever. Uh, collect them. I mean, continue continue to um forgive them you know i was when you were going through this it just kind of hit me um we talk a lot about just in your workplace and this but this also you know to me they're always synonymous your your home life and your workplace they got to be one and the same and uh one of my wife's friends sub substitute was a substitute teacher this week and say the average class size was 20 I don't know what, her, what spirit led her to ask this question, but she's like, how many of y'all's parents apologize to you? All right. And they're like, two out of 20 would answer. Every class was very consistent, two to, two to three people out of 20. Yeah. And the rest said, oh, no way that would ever, you know, like just very harsh, you know, like, and so I'm just saying, whether it's work or home, we got to humble ourselves to like, and, and not let the day go by without trying to reconcile, you know, and and, right. and, and, and try to get, at peace with that other person. Like you gave a good example, walking in the hall of church and somebody's not looking at you, you know, kind of putting their head away. Like what's going on there? Like there's something off, yeah. you know? And I had the same, I didn't tell you this, but I had the same thing happen to me in the last couple of weeks. Called the guy up and said, Hey, we all right. You know, it just doesn't seem worse. We seem off. Yeah. And it was a great flourishing conversation. You just never know where awesome. the spirit can lead you in that journey. You know what I mean? To open up doors and heal wounds or fix something you didn't even know was wrong. So, yeah. To really name the apology. I, I right. can't finish this lesson this week without writing a letter to somebody today mm. uh, from work that I need to apologize to. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's going on uh, three or four years old, five years old. Wow. I need to, uh, need to apologize probably for what they think I did, but there's some stuff in there that I did that makes them think I did more. Hmm. So I need to name what I did and apologize. And, not, and part of it's just not valuing them. Yeah. Was not even though there's a boss and a leader not valuing them correctly hmm. or a partner. So uh, it didn't freak you out. When I, when I apologize to my kids, it freaks them out. Oh, Dad, <laughs> but I, my shoes aren't tied. I'm just going to be silly with it. <laughs> I had this with a five-year-old one time. My shoes aren't tied. Yeah. But, yeah, but it shouldn't make me mad. I don't need to scream at you. Tie your yeah. shoes. <laughs> you know? Uh, same with you. Uh, when, I've, when I've really apologized at work, you, you really have freaked people out because uh, you've been vulnerable. Well, I mean, I think to, to the – to sum it up for me, you care for them, you you know have empathy and ask questions, you connect with them to try to help them flourish personally, and then you correct, you auto-correct all the time of what's what's what could be wrong or could be potential issues or conflict or whatever. You can't help but the whole company or where your business unit or yeah. would flourish. That's right. If everybody had that same mindset. So. That's right. So good. And to, I'll back to, and think about it. You can't love money. You right. can't really pour yourself out to money. If you do, it's an idol. But think about, how would you ever apologize to money? <laughs> Just to bring it back to this last right. point. I could never do that. Uh, but, I, but there's probably 
in one sense, is relationship, we'll owe apologies because we esteem them as more important than ourselves. We care more about their flourishing than we do mm. our own when we know how loved we are. So you got to yeah. start there. All right, absolutely. Know you're loved. God's got you. Yeah. And Good then uh, see money for it as just a means. Mm-hmm. See people for what they are mm-hmm. made in the image of God. Mm. Uh, hopefully headed the same place. Yeah. Great. Good, good, good lesson. All right. We'll be getting together next week. Yep. Rufus Smith coming to talk to leadership to all five sessions of the center. What a joy this is going to be. What a pleasure. What a privilege uh, to have a man uh, who is such a great leader and uh, normally talks to thousands talking to our small group. So join us. It's a great time to join for the first time to hear Rufus Smith tell us uh, some core principles of leadership and how we can apply them. So join us next week. Look how to register at thecentermemphis.org and look for extra resources there. And have a great day.